Good morning again, everybody. As we go into the month of May, we go through a time in our nation again that's very uncertain, that's very upside down, that's very hard to know what to trust and when to trust. We thought it would be appropriate to do a series that's called the I Am, Jesus' own statements about himself. These I Am statements in the Bible where Jesus describes himself, statements that are very certain, they're very secure, they're very clear about who he says that he is. These I am statements. Now to the, to the early audience that would have heard him say things like I am that I am, he was clearly saying that I am God in flesh. I am equally God and equally man. I'm equating myself with the God that you, you know from the Old Testament. And when Jesus says I am, they really should be italicized in English because he's really stressing these phrases in the Greek that's written in the Bible. He's saying, I am the way. I am the truth. And today's phrase that we're going to look at is that he says, I am the gate. The gate. Now you might be thinking, the gate? How do I, how do I engage with a God who says he's like a gate? I thought God was like a, could be on a throne with a long white beard, you know, maybe uh, that God throws lightning bolts like Zeus or something, but how do I relate to God as, you know, a gate? Well, let's look at a picture of a sheep gate, because that's, I think that's what he's referring to, and this image would have been well known to people at that time period, even to this day in many parts of the world, these sheep gates are still everywhere, homemade, stones on top of stones. The one on the left you can see has spiked stones sticking up to keep thieves out because sheep are very easy to steal. Uh, sheep are defenseless. Sheep cannot, they cannot defend themselves in any way. And so the sheep pen would protect the sheep at night. And as you can see, there's, a, there's an opening. There's an opening there where the sheep can come in and they can go out and and. It's a safe place for them to be, to be protected at night. So as we read these words in John chapter 10, when Jesus is saying, I am the gate, have this image of the sheep pen in your mind, uh, that he is, he's referring to this in many ways as he teaches, starting in verse 1. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. You would expect a shepherd to walk through the gate of the sheep, to be with the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. And that's a good reminder for you and I today that Jesus knows your name. He knows your name. He knows my name. And he calls us by our name and he leads them out, he says. Did you know that sheep can hear the voice of their shepherd from hundreds of feet away? The shepherd would walk out and call to their sheep, even today in many parts of the world, and the sheep will come running because they recognize the voice of their sheep. Sort of like maybe you have a dog at home. I'm sure many of you have dogs at home and your dog knows your voice. You can call your dog's name whatever the name is, maybe it's Biscuit or Patches or, or Larry, whatever you named your dog, right, the dog will perk up, probably come running. Now, if you have a cat, 
It might not happen. The cat might just look at you in an annoyed sort of way. Uh, he might come running, but more than likely he won't. But the dog will come running. But regardless, animals know your voice. They start to know the voice of their owner. They know and they come and they respond to what they hear. Then in verse 4, Jesus says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Sheep have allegiance to their shepherd. They follow the one that they know they can trust. So that because they know his voice, the sheep follow the shepherd. Jesus says, they will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not voice, know the voice of strangers. Stranger danger, right? Run the other way. Sheep, sheep get that too. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, metaphor, but people haven't changed much. They did not understand what he was saying to them. So, again, Jesus said to them, okay, let me just tell you flat out. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me, they're thieves, bandits. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and, and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then in verse 11, Jesus says also another, I am. I am the good shepherd. He doesn't say, I am a shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. And then over the course of the next many verses, Jesus says a phrase five times. He repeats this saying where he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says this repeatedly. And to the Jewish audience that was listening to him as he said these words, they were well acquainted with shepherd in their uh, Hebrew Jewish upbringing. Moses, we all know the character of Moses, the person of Moses. Moses was seen as God's under shepherd. That he literally carried a staff, right? And he led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. King David, when he was a boy, was a shepherd. And when God anointed him and made him king of Israel, then David became what's known as the shepherd king. And Jesus is saying, I am following in this idea, except I am the good shepherd. And then in verse 12, the hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep. He runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life. Again, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold or group of sheep. Jesus is speaking to Jewish people and he very well could be saying, outside of this, there are Gentiles, non-Jews that belong to this fold that I'm going to bring to myself. But Jesus could very well be alluding to the fact there's other places in our universe, other planets like ours that need the good shepherd. Maybe I blew your mind. The universe is a big place. That's definitely a possibility that he's going to seek and find those who are lost. So he says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also. 
This is also like when Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath one time. And some of the religious leaders said to him, how dare you do this thing on the Sabbath? You're not supposed to do any sort of work. And Jesus said, if I had one lost sheep that had fallen in a pit, wouldn't I not go and retrieve, leave the 99 that I have and find the one that's hurt and broken? Of course I would, regardless of the day. And here you hear the heart of what Jesus is saying again. He's saying, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me again, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, he says, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take my life up again. I have received this command from my Father. Well, let's look at some of the functional aspects of a gate, right? What's the purpose of a gate? What do gates do? I know that sounds like an obvious question, but for one answer is that gates provide access. Gates provide the proper place to come in. Gates provide the right way. And Jesus is saying here that he is the gate. He's saying that I am open to everyone. This access point might be narrow, but it is open to everyone. And and this, a, a door or a gate is the acceptable way to enter into something. Don't jump over the wall, right? Don't hop the fence. Just come in through the gate. Come in through the right way to find access. Many years ago, I went to Carowinds in Charlotte. I'm sure many of you have been there. And they had just opened the roller coaster called Top Gun. Now it's probably called Afterburner or something. But they just opened Top Gun. And so we were all pumped to be there. And we ran through the park right after they opened. And the the gate to Top Gun was right over here. But the fence, I could hop to get a little bit further. I wasn't breaking a line, but just to kind of get sooner onto the roller coaster. So I hop the fence and I trip over the fence and I skin my knee pretty badly. And a friend of mine said, what happened to your knee? And I said, well, I hopped the fence. And he said, why didn't you just go through the gate? And I said, yeah, you're right. I should have gone through the gate. That's the acceptable way to get onto Top Gun, you know? Now, let's say, for example, you invited me over to your house and, uh, and you were expecting to see me. But let's say instead of going through the front door, I decided to try and crawl through a window. I think we would then both have a problem, right? Not only is the pastor breaking into my house, it would look kind of sketchy because that's not the appropriate way to enter into the house. If you're jumping the fence, you're going through a window, it means you think you have something to hide. They're not the proper way to gain access. The gate, it's the only way to access what's inside. Going through the gate, coming through the right way that God has set and ordained in his great and glorious plan, it's the only way. And it's far more joyful than jumping the fence yourself or trying to cut a corner. Secondly, gates provide protection. Gates protect what's inside the gate, right? Maybe some of you live in a gated community or you live in an apartment complex with a gate. Uh, I like to shop at Costco. That's no secret to anyone that knows me. Lately, I haven't been going as much, but uh, the Costco near where I live, there are many busy intersections around it. And I was always looking for a little cut through to maybe avoid some traffic. And one day I saw that there was an apartment complex near Costco that you could drive through and the gate was open and it would spit me out right behind Costco. So I thought, that's awesome. So for a few months, I felt like the 
like the, the, the coolest kid in school. I got to cut the corner. I got to go to Costco and get out. Well, then one day I drive up to the apartment place and they had lowered the gate and you couldn't get in. And I was actually glad. I said, well, they're, they're protecting what's inside. They want to protect their residents and that's good. Gates provide protection. Thirdly, gates provide a safe place. Gates simply provide a place on the inside, right? There's safety. There's safety. Jesus not only provides safety, but he provides a safe place. A safe place to be with your people. A safe place where you can be saved. Jesus says outside of this gate, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. The wolf will come, he says, and murder and steal and scatter the flock. But there's safety within the boundaries of God's gate. There's safety, if you will, in God's covenant or God's promises. There's safety within those parameters of what he says and his law. It's almost like guardrails on the road. Within the guardrails, there's safety. But if you bust through a guardrail, you're going to have a bad accident. But Jesus is saying, in my leadership over your life, as the good shepherd, there's safety, just safe place. You know, too many postmodern people today seem to think that gates or boundary, that they somehow steal our joy or ruin our fun or inhibit our self-expression or they somehow uh, restrict us in some way. When in reality, the opposite is true. Gates, in fact, give us life. I don't know about you all, but uh, many years ago, I loved watching the television show called Super Nanny. It came on ABC. Super Nanny was a British nanny from England, and she would travel to homes in America and really teach parents how to be parents. And every single episode, without fail, was the same problems. The parents didn't know how to set boundaries for their children. And the super nanny had to come in and provide order and rules in order. And the children's behavior was crying out for boundaries. They were, they were literally through their actions saying, please give us some rules. Help us know what we're supposed to do. Don't be my buddy. Be my parent, right? And so the boundaries really set the children free and actually made the families much happier. There, you know, there's comfort knowing that someone is in charge. There's comfort in knowing that someone's watching over you, that there's a shepherd or a leader that you follow. And Jesus is saying, I am the gate. I am the safe place. I am the best sort of barrier. The pastor Clayton King gives a great illustration about this where he said, imagine a school on top of a mountain, like, like a mountain in the sound of music, like in the Alps in, in, in Austria. And on top of this mountain is a beautiful schoolhouse and there's fields around the schoolhouse for children to run and play in. And, but on, on, the, on the sides of these fields are, are cliffs because you're on a mountain. And in order to keep the children safe, they have put up fences around the perimeter of the school. Now, is the children's joy inhibited or is it set free because the fence is in place, because the gate is there? Many years ago, right before my wife and I got married, I was working a part-time job in Charlotte. And uh, a coworker and I had to take a truck out one day for a delivery. And while he's driving and I'm sitting there, he says to me, oh, so you're getting married, huh? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, you know. 
And he had been married twice and divorced twice. And he, he said, let me tell you a few things about women, okay? And he proceeded to give me the most cynical, bitter advice I'd ever heard about marriage in my life. He had said, uh, yeah, the you know, wedding ring, that's, a, that's the world's smallest handcuff, right? And he gave me all these funny little one-liners about marriage. And I sat there for a little while and took as much as I could. But I finally spoke up. I said, look, friend, your advice is telling me more about your past than it is in helping me with my future. I mean, that was a great one-liner. It was a mic drop moment. And then we had a nice, awkward silence in the truck cab uh, for a little while. But, you know, it, in his mind, the idea of covenant or gate or, or boundary, he saw it as a restrictive thing that ruined his life. But it was a fundamental error on his part that in fact, it, he was, that in fact, that, it, that instead of holding down our joy, something like a wedding band, it expands your joy. That within the boundaries of that covenant, there's freedom. Behind the gate, there's freedom. Outside of it, maybe not so much. See, gates don't restrict us. They expand our joy. Gates don't hold us down. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I have come to liberate you, to set you free. Within me, there's safety, there's joy, there's protection, there's freedom. There's a safe place within this gate. Gates also show possession of property. If you saw that sheep pen photo again, or you walked by it, you would think, well, that belongs to somebody. It's not mine. But if you see a gate, you know that that belongs to somebody. And Jesus is saying, I am the gate. All that are within my sheepfold, they belong to me. And I will fight for what is mine. I know your name. And I will guard your life, for you belong to me. Lastly, gates are open to outsiders. Gates have the potential to be opened. No one likes to be locked out of a gate. No one likes to be left out. And God knows that. The, gates that Je- the gate of Jesus Christ is open this very moment, for anyone that would walk in, he says, you will be saved simply by faith, by putting your trust in his promises, he says. And it's open for anyone, open for anyone. As he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. This gate is open to outsiders of all kinds. He says, this gate is open to everyone, but it is closed to intruders, and I will beat them back. You see, other people are not the intruders. Other people are not the problem. Intruders are not Democrats, and they're not Republicans. Intruders are not gay people or straight people. Intruders are not people of different races or genders or backgrounds, or felons, or pill poppers, or the addicted, or the broken. These people are not the problem. All those people are welcome in the gate. Other people are not the intruders, Jesus says. There is only one from the very beginning, and it's the devil. The devil and his demons, they are the enemies of our souls. Jesus said he is a liar and a murderer from the very beginning. And that he hates who we are as human beings because we can bear the image of God. And he knows that God loves us. And so he hates us. They are irredeemable creatures that are out for the destruction of humanity. 
And Jesus is saying, I am the gate. Outside of me, you are in danger. But within a relationship with me, I will protect you and cover you. There is, there is protection within these walls of this sheepfold. But as First Peter reminds us, our adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There's nothing good or redeemable about those creatures. And Jesus is saying, I am the gate. I will protect what is mine. Let's look at this picture again of this sheep pens. You might be looking at it and thinking, I don't see a gate. I just see an opening. Is there like a saloon door situation or some sort of thing that swings? Did you know that shepherds will typically go to sleep with their sheep? They will uh, soothe them. They'll, they'll guide them into that pen. They'll help them calm down. Uh, they'll, they'll quiet them so that they will rest. And then the shepherd would typically maybe cover himself with a blanket. And the shepherd would then sit right in those, that opening or lie down across its opening. So if a sheep wanted to sneak out, he could stop it. If a wolf or something would come in the middle of the night, they're going to catch a, a, a staff across the temple. He's basically saying, if you want to come in and take what's mine, you're going to have to kill me. You'll have to step over my dead body, but that's not going to happen because Jesus can't be killed. He's, he's alive. But he's saying, this is what belongs to me. You'll have to, you'll have to come through this way because I gladly lay down my life for what is mine. He says repeatedly, and Jesus looks at you and me today, and he knows our names as the shepherd. He protects what is his. Maybe you're watching this, and maybe you've strayed. Maybe you used to know the voice of the shepherd, but you've forgotten. Maybe you tuned it out, and you're, you're tired. You know that there's danger outside of walking with him and being in the, in the protection of the good shepherd. Or maybe you're watching this and you have no clue. You have never even thought about hearing the voice of Jesus call your name. But today he is. He is calling your name. He wants you to come in through the gate and know life and life eternal. Whoever, no matter who we are or what we've done, whether we've strayed or we're close, why wouldn't you enter the gate? Why? What is holding you back from entering in this gate? And if you've never entered the gate, let today be the day. He knows your name. He knows you better than you know yourself. Come home. Come home dirty and broken and addicted and shattered, full of anxiety, whatever you have, come home, he's saying. Come home through the gate. Why would you not come home? He says, outside of this gate, you are vulnerable but come in through me and you will have life and have it abundantly. I'd be honored to pray with you right now as we continue to worship God together. Let us pray. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for this time. I thank you for everybody watching. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the gate, and that we can put our hope and trust in you, and that we can simply walk through you as the gate by faith, no matter who we are or what we've come from, Lord, that we would know today that you love us. You pour grace upon grace upon our lives. And you're calling all to enter in through you, to have eternal life, now and forever. 
Be still. Listen for the voice of the good shepherd. Know that he is calling your name. Do you hear him? He's calling you to come home. Right now, pray and come home to him. He seeks after you. He's looking for you. He's scanning the horizon and he's waiting for you because he loves you. He who had no sin, he bore the punishment by his stripes, by his wounds, by the cross. Because of that, we are healed. The good shepherd loves you. Give him your life today and know his peace. Amen. Let us sing together. Father everlasting